You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Friday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your guy, Brian Brown. Excited to be with you here on a Friday. We made it, fam. We're towards the end of the week. Another week in the books and time to cut loose and enjoy the weekend. But before we do that, we're going to get you the latest breaking University of Utah news, notes, and updates regarding every program within the University of Utah. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about some rumors floating around in the Twitter sphere yesterday regarding a certain University of Utah basketball player and the possibility of him entering in the transfer portal. We're also going to talk about Utah football losing a commitment from uh, quarterback J.P. Zamora, or did they really? We'll discuss why it's going on, what the Utes have going on for the 2022 cycle at quarterback, and what direction they'll be heading now. And we'll finish things up with a look around the athletic department, some awards being handed out to some of the University of Utah men's golf team, and also some events in action. All that coming up here on the Locked on Utes podcast for Friday, May 7th, 2021. Thank you for joining me today here on the Locked On Utes Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, brought to you by Locked On NFL Draft. Join Locked On NFL Draft hosts Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak for recaps and analysis of the 2021 NFL Draft and look ahead at next year's future first-round picks. You can follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't used the Odyssey app, If you're still doing Apple Podcasts, it is a very nifty app. I highly recommend it. Worth a shot. Uh, And and Trevor and Ben do a phenomenal job with the NFL draft stuff. Just really top notch. It is a great day to be a Ute here on the Locked on Utes podcast. Thank you for joining me today and every day, my Utah friends and family. It is a great day to be a Ute, but some days are definitely better than others. And if you were on Twitter at all yesterday, you may have seen... Rumors being batted around that Ryland Jones may have entered the transfer portal. And there was nothing official to be confirming this. No sources are reporting this. Simply rumors floating around Twitter. However, I'm not confirming that Jones is entering into the portal or has entered into the portal. But I do believe there are likely two questions that pop up on everyone's minds when situations like this arise. The first one would be, how come nobody's broken the news about him being in the transfer portal? And so I think the best way to answer that is to explain what the process is behind going into the transfer portal. What you are supposed to do is you are supposed to notify your compliance department, and I believe it needs to be a written notification, if I'm not mistaken, that you have an intent to transfer. The school compliance department has up to two business days to enter your name into the transfer portal. I've been told that it's usually about a 24-hour turnaround time for most schools because there are just checklists and reviews and everything like that for eligibility that you need to go through. And I believe most of them just like to give kids 
uh, a little bit of time to think about what they're doing. And so that's why sometimes you'll see or hear rumors of things happening before they actually break because those names will be given to the compliance department and people will talk and, and information will be shared around uh, with these situations. But be, until it's actually official and, and, and until there's actually proof, nobody's going to report that it's going to happen because that's one of the worst ways to get burned if you're in this industry. If you report that a player has entered into the transfer portal and they haven't, you've essentially lost all the trust and clout that you might have had as a reporter for having accurate information, everything like that. And, and so that's why most people are very cautious. And the other part of it, too, is that these are still student athletes. These are not professionals. And we've talked about it a lot that, that players are compensated well in terms of scholarships and getting to hang out at cool facilities and eating food and getting lots of cool swag and gear. That's not necessarily compensation for an actual job being done. And so because of that, I think there's a bit of a gray area there in terms of how much can you really report about this kind of stuff. FERPA is obviously a concern. Uh, Family Educational Rights and Protection Act. And what that does is it protects a lot of student information. And I don't know the specifics of a lot of that. I do know some of it. Uh, student status, grades, any kind of information that isn't public already would be against FERPA requirements, so like student numbers, uh, health information, things of that nature. None of that is, is able to be released without a student consent, and that's a pretty pretty standard operating procedure across every single department when it comes to FERPA and compliance and everything like that. So there is likely that some, as Jake Hatch put it in his tweet, there is some smoke uh, around those rumors, I think, to this fire. And that probably leads us to the next question, which is why would Ryland Jones enter the transfer portal? The obvious answer would be, well, he probably feels like he can't compete because they've brought in all these new players and all these new guards, and he doesn't think he's going to get any playing time. Early on in the process, I think it was pretty obvious that Ryland was going to be either in or out primarily based on what happened with his dad, Chris Jones, who was uh, employed by the basketball program. I believe he was their director of basketball operations. And that kind of shifted as Coach Smith came in and, and Ryland took a liking to Coach Smith and bought in and was working out with the team and doing everything that he needed to do. So it would make sense that as new players start to come in that maybe he would feel like his time wouldn't be as great or maybe it's a good time to jump ship or everything like that. I tend to think that there might be a different reason and I think some of it might have to do with what's happened overall with the basketball program. I do not believe there is any love lost between the administration at the University of Utah Athletic Department and those in charge in running the basketball program. As we've seen, as Coach Smith has come in, there's almost been a complete and total house cleaning for every position within the basketball program. Strength coach, basketball operations, pretty much everybody who had any direct contact with players and or coaching staff is now gone. And in turn, that's probably left some hard feelings. I think Ian Martinez leaving because his dad didn't have a job anymore was, was almost 
guaranteed, and understandably so. I think Ryland took the right approach and wanted to wait and see once everything had uh, all the dust had settled how the program was going to be and how the relationships were going to be conducted towards him. I think that the administration likely pushed coach Smith or let me let me rephrase that likely gave him the keys to do a clean sweep if he wanted to. And I'm sure there was encouragement saying, "Hey, Go out and get the people that you want, the people that you feel comfortable with. Go out and get the staff and everything like that in place so that you can do the job as to the best of your abilities. And let's get everything else cleaned out. And if your dad was part of that previous regime, there may be some hurt feelings on the part of either the departing or, or, or the departed or those who are still in place. And I can't confirm any of this for sure. This is just me completely speculating. But it does make sense that perhaps as you stick around, you start to realize that the more that you're here and the more that you're in the program, the less things are really likely to change, no matter what Coach Smith is doing. And all early accounts and reports are that Coach Smith has been nothing but a class act. He will always be that. I think that's what's so great about him as a hire is that he is a good human being. He does things the right way. He treats everyone with respect. He is a good basketball coach. Now, the things that remain to be seen is can he land the the high-caliber players that Utah absolutely needs to get to compete in the Pac-12? We still haven't really seen that high-end, high-level player yet. There There is hope on the horizon without a doubt, and I think the more likely candidate to to land at the University of Utah is going to be Stephon Mitchell, the uh, 6'8 front court player out of Boston College. And that would be a tremendous get for Coach Smith and his staff. But as they continue to build the program, they will absolutely need to bring in higher caliber players. Now, the next step will also be making sure that you get kids to stay in the program. Uh, That has not been the case early on. I think that the University of Utah basketball program still wants Pella Larson. They would welcome him back with open arms. I don't think there was any encouragement to push him out of the program. I don't necessarily believe there was encouragement to push Ryland Jones out of the program. His father, Chris Jones, I, I have been told, has been hired as the head basketball coach at Highland High School. I haven't seen anything official on that one yet, but I do believe that that's the plan. So it would make sense that maybe Ryland would transfer somewhere in-state. There is a previous connection to Utah State through his father, who was a coach there as an assistant coach. There is also a connection with Todd Phillips down at Utah Valley. He's an assistant coach for Mark Madsen. He was also a coach at Sully Community College, likely has a relationship with Chris Jones as well. So plenty of opportunity and landing spots for him should he decide to transfer in state, should he decide to transfer, period. We'll wait and see. My hunch is that if he actually is entering into the transfer portal, that we'll find out either today or on Monday, making it official. And it will also open up a spot for the University of Utah, where they'll have to now recruit another player to fill that open position, that open scholarship. How they go about doing that will be up to them. But we'll all here at Locked on Utes keep you updated as we hear and find out more. And look forward to the 2021-22 season for running Utes men's basketball. 
This is a perfect segue opportunity to talk about betonline.ag because if you're really high on what's happening at the University of Utah or the new hire or maybe you think that Utah football is primed to just go out there and grab the world by a tail and wrap it up and put it in its pocket, the best place to go and put those odds down is at betonline.ag. You know it. They are the easiest, fastest way to bet on all your sports action. All the seasons are going right now. NBA, baseball, NHL, UFC, MMA, golf. Golf is actually a really fun one to, to throw down some action on. So before everything starts clicking over the weekend, just go to betonline.ag right now. You can do it on your laptop. You can do it on your mobile phone. You can look through the, the website. It's super easy to use. Uh, it gets even easier as you start to learn more and more. And the best part about it is you can get a 50% welcome bonus by using the promo code Locked On as you learn to make more and more money through making good bets. And if you make good bets, why don't you slide up into my DMs and give me some, uh, give me some of those hot tips? Or you can catch the Locked On Bets podcast with my boy uh, Kiwan. He does a really good job with that. Uh, you can do all of that. By going to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Remember that promo code is locked on, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Jumping back into things here on the Locked on Utes podcast, as more news was breaking on Twitter yesterday, J.P. Zamora, the 2022 commit from Washington to the University of Utah fo- football program, announced that he was reopening his recruitment. The commitment from Zamora, as, as far as I was concerned, was, was very early on in the process, and I think it was actually a very savvy move by Utah because they really liked Zamora as a stable prospect. We've talked a little bit in the past about how when you're recruiting quarterbacks, especially at a place like the University of Utah, you want to get an A prospect one year and then a B prospect the next. An A prospect is a prospect like Peter Costelli. And anyone who watched the spring game can tell me all about how the physical tools are all there. He's incredibly fast. He's got a very strong arm. He can make all those plays. He looks very polished in a lot of ways. He does have a ways to go in terms of uh, how he interprets things and his instincts in, in the pocket and where to run and everything like that. That'll come with time. He's still very, very young. Still hasn't even been able to complete a full senior season of football never will at this point obviously because he's up at the U now but he is an A-type prospect with a very high upside a lot of physical talent and what Utah needs to go after now is a what we like to call a B-level prospect so that's a prospect with maybe some higher upside but a lower floor currently or a prospect that kind of needs some development And there are a couple names in mind right now in the 2022 class that stand out to me. One is Richard Torres, who Utah has had their eye on for a while. He is a 6'6", 210-pound quarterback out of San Antonio, Texas. And if you want to make comparisons, he is a hybrid of Brock Osweiler and a homeless man's Trevor Lawrence and the fact that he really moves well. For being 6'6", he's not nearly as fluid and as uh, flexible as, as Lawrence is. Nowhere near, nor is he quite the athlete. 
he is tall like Brock Osweiler. He has that big, strong, tall pocket presence. And where I typically have beef with taller quarterbacks is they play like they're taller than everybody else. He does not do that. And what I mean by playing taller than everybody else, I think anybody who watched Travis Wilson at the University of Utah remembers his his slinky dog from Toy Story throws and how his elbow would drop and, and some passes or a little bit lower, because when you are 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", you're always throwing down. You're looking down. Everything you do is down. That's why I like quarterbacks from about 6'1", to 6'4", where they are used to being that height where everybody's either at their level or taller, and so they really grow up in all of their movements. They throw upwards. They're, they're a lot taller in the pocket. They think that they have to get up over the top of everything, and to be honest, in my opinion, it makes your release better when you're throwing. It makes your vision better. It makes you a more instinctive and intuitive quarterback. Torres does all that. And at his size, when you're 6'6 and you are taller than everyone else, but you still act like you aren't, that to me is really impressive. So that I really like in terms of his upside. He is a good athlete. He moves around well in the pocket. He can get a little... I don't want to say impatient, but he hangs in the pocket or hangs back behind the line of scrimmage a lot. So he really needs to improve about getting the ball out quickly and getting the ball downfield. He does have a big, big arm, and he does throw well with competitive, repetitive accuracy. Uh, Competitive accuracy would be being able to throw into tight windows. Repetitive accuracy means that when you throw the ball, it's going to the same spot almost every single time, and you're making the same throws over and over again. Like I said, he's got a big, big arm, and he's a really good athlete. From a quick uh, Twitter search, you can see some of his basketball highlights. He is a very crafty basketball player, good handles, can elevate and dunk. A couple cool dunking highlights, but it does feel like football is his primary sport. And recently at the Elite 11 Regionals, he was one of the few quarterbacks whose arm was strong enough to cut through the wind there. Elite 11 is the quarterback... uh, evaluation they're just the best and and i know that people like to point out people like josh allen and whatnot and patrick mahomes oh they weren't elite 11 quarterbacks well yeah there's a reason for that and and some of it is that josh allen never played uh or, or wasn't able to compete at elite 11 because he played baseball same with jackson dart uh so some of those guys don't make it just simply because they got other stuff going on that they value over going to camps which like i support that 100 percent um, Torres is, we're, I'm getting way off tangent here, but Torres is a good prospect. There are others that the, the University of Utah is without a doubt looking at. One name to watch, Nate Johnson out of Clovis, California, 6'2", 183, very explosive athlete, classified as a dual threat quarterback, um, has offers from a lot of different programs, Michigan, Oregon State, Utah, Arizona State, Fresno State, uh, Another name, Jaden Denegal, who is a six foot four inch, two hundred fifteen pound quarterback from Apple Valley, California. As you're probably recognizing, a lot of quarterback prospects coming out of California these days. It is sort of the paradise for quarterbacks. Denegal is a guy that I think is pretty intriguing. He is rated four stars on the twenty four seven composite, ranking almost ninety one overall, and I do think that he. There's a lot of potential there for him. Another name to to kind of keep an eye on would be Brandon Rose, six foot two inch quarterback out of Murrieta Valley. 
And an interesting tie-in there is the fact that Rose plays with Tiger Bachmeyer, who is a University of Utah wide receiver prospect for 2022. Bachmeyer is the younger brother of Hank Bachmeyer. Or excuse me, he's a 2023 prospect, not 2022. Uh, Hank Bachmeyer, his older brother, plays quarterback at Boise State. I'm a big fan of Tiger Bachmeyer. He's a very fun wide receiving prospect to watch. So kind of interesting little tie-ins there if you like the school connections. Some names for you to watch if you're one of those people that likes to grind the tape. In the meantime, I think that this move from the University of Utah, or I should say from J.P. Zabora, tells me that the University of Utah is pretty confident in where they stand with a lot of these guys and with their opportunities it ter- in terms of the quarterback position moving forward. And a lot of times during the recruiting process, if a player is committed, a school will circle back around and say, hey, listen, there are a lot of prospects that are interested in coming and playing at the University of Utah that will be ahead of you. We want to give you the opportunity to go shop around and make sure that you secure an offer so that your future is taken care of. And the good news is that they're doing this before the 2021 season starts. So Zamora can go out there and and continue to look around without getting dropped and left for nothing. So uh, it'll be fun to watch what Utah does with the quarterback position. The great news is that there are an absolute slew of quarterbacks in the stable there. Uh, for Kyle Whittingham and his staff of good quarterback talent, Costelli, Charlie Brewer, Jaquin and Jackson, uh, Cam Rising, even Cooper Justice and, and Bryson Barnes, who, while they didn't look outstanding in the spring game, I think they're good developmental prospects uh, to have there on the roster and to continue working. If nothing else, you've got good talent that's out there showing out on your scout team. And that's always very important in my mind. So good things at the quarterback position, despite the fact that they lose the commitment from Zamora and that will lead me to my next point, which is when you're trying to lose weight and you want to keep the good things in your life, you're obviously going to keep ordering built bar. Yeah, that's right. I went there built bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market I, uh, as a self-proclaimed Built Bar evangelist, I got my mother a few boxes of Built Bars. Uh, just, she is a fitness enthusiast uh, to her core, Pilates, cycling, uh, spin. She does it all. She's incredible. Yoga, uh, shout out to her. She's done uh, whatever the hangy thing is where you hang off the ropes. I can't even remember it anymore. But she is a very health-conscious person, but she also loves... She's got a sweet tooth. I, I know, crazy. Me having a sweet tooth, her having a sweet tooth. Where could we have possibly got it from? But I got her a couple boxes of Built Bars the other day, and she sent me this text saying, Hey, I love Cherry Barcia. And I said, Yep, of course you do. That's why we're related. And she said, I ate the whole box already. <laughs> And I hate to trouble you, but where can I go to get some more of them? I said, Mom, look, I'm going to take care of you. But if you have friends, tell them to go to BuiltBar.com. Tell them to get the variety pack. They can choose what flavor is their favorite. And to use the promo code LOCKED15 so they get 15% off their order from BuiltBar.com. Maybe you have a mother or a significant other in your life that loves to eat healthy, but also craves the sweetness and the goodness of a chocolate bar or maybe some chocolate or, or candy or something like that. Built Bar is a perfect way to go about replacing that sweet tooth with something that's much healthier for you. 
the healthy whey protein up to 19 grams of protein per bar, five grams or less of sugar. So it does hang out there as keto friendly. They use real chocolate in every bar. And if you haven't gotten the point by this, at this moment, that, that they just taste incredible. So go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCK15, get yourself some Built Bars, and let's keep getting on our good, positive tip for 2021 and stay healthy. Wrapping things up here on the Locked on Youths podcast, wanted to get to some announcements from the athletic department that a couple of golfers from the Utah men's golf program were awarded Pac-12 recognition. Junior Blake Tomlinson uh, headlines a trio of Utah men's golfers to earn recognition from the Pac-12 as the conference released its all-conference and all-newcomer teams. Tomlinson was named second-team all-Pac-12, while senior Mitchell Shaw earned honorable mention, and freshman Javier Barcos was named to the all-newcomer team. That's an outstanding achievement for the golf program. You can tell that the golf facility is already paying off. I somewhat kid with that, but... They are headed to the uh, NCAA tournament for the first time since 1992. It's a very impressive achievement for this team. So congratulations to Blake and to Mitchell and to Javier for those accomplishments. Also, some uh, updates on what's going on this weekend. Softball travels to number five, Washington. That series begins today at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. You can watch it live on the Pac-12 feed uh, Friday, 6 p.m. Saturday, a doubleheader with a 2 p.m. and a 4.30 p.m. start. And then finishing off the series Sunday at 1 p.m. That'll be a good chance for softball to get some momentum as they're going back into Pac-12 play. Baseball also uh, has a, uh, a home series this weekend that they'll be playing up in Ogden. Saturday, May 8th, that game starts at 6 p.m., Sunday, a game at 4 p.m., and then Monday, a noon affair. All of those at Lindquist Field up in Ogden, Utah. They'll be taking on Northern Colorado. So if you want to get out and enjoy the weather but don't want to do something crazy like ride a bike or hike, which I can totally understand, that's a great opportunity to get out there and watch some Utah baseball. As there are still a little bit of sport action going on here, uh, it is really starting to wind down quite a bit, though. And as such... We will continue to get you primed and ready for uh, all of next year's uh, happenings and and upcoming seasons and everything like that here on the Locked on Utes podcast. On that note, thank you so much for joining me today and all week long here on the Locked on Utes podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Try out the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y if you are upset or frustrated by what's going on with Apple. I think it's a great alternative. I use that. I also use Spotify. Both of them high marks from from your boy Brown Bear over here. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the notes, for the ratings, for everything that you guys do. Really appreciate it. Hope you all have a great weekend. Stay well, be well, do well. Shout out to you, Daddy, if you stay tuned for this long into it because I always trust your processes, my friend. Thank you again, everybody. You have a great weekend, and we will talk to you again here on Monday here on the Locked on Utes podcast. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for Friday, May 7th, 2021.